Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your podcast for all things draft FPL. Now, we have the full complement of managers on tonight. So we've got Gilby, we've got Mick, and we've got Dave. Now, Dave, um, you told us you weren't going to be with us, but here you are. Where are you? What are you doing? And did you manage to um, have a covert meeting with another manager on your journeys? Look, I can neither confirm nor deny uh, such meeting may or may not have occurred. Uh, And there may have actually been three said covert meetings, or maybe not. And may or may not have been called pants. (laughs) Can confirm. No pants. Uh, I'm in Emerald in the middle of Queensland in coal country. Uh... Let's not get too political, but uh, I'm up here for work. Yes, I, along the way yesterday, met up with Mick and Dan uh, in Rockhampton. And then tonight I met up with Ben. So we may have had a few little chats to be revealed later, potentially. Okay. Okay. Well, you've, you've, you've got me interested. That I didn't I didn't realize you were able to catch up with Dan and Mick as well, so that's got me even more interested. Um, I, I suppose it's at this point it's it's uh, pertinent to say that uh, if you're on Twitter, you can catch us on drafting underscore dregs. We'll um, we try and put a bit of banter up there from time to time with some of the things that are happening in the world of EPL or just football in general. But um, let's get into our moments of the week. So there was a lot that happened this week, and um, I think that we might start with Gilby on this one. Now, I know that Gilby is going to be... Extru- I wish he wouldn't. Oh, I, I know. Well, let's think of it as ripping the band-aid, Gilby. So last week, when we were talking about the games that we were interested in, that we wanted to sort of... Uh, that we, we thought would have some good fantasy points, you mentioned Liverpool Man United, being a big Man United fan, but you were very much saying that Man you were going to get slaughtered. Well, you didn't use that word, but... Um, we're going to get beaten. And um, look, that sort of played out. So what's your take on the game? Do you think Ollie is still the right person to man the wheel? What's going on there in Man United Town? Yeah, well, to say Manchester United was going to lose is a wild, dangerous understatement in the end. Um, we got absolutely battered. Um, it could well have been double figures in the end, but Liverpool just more or less just cruised for most of the second half. So that was a terrible match all around for any Manchester United fan. Um, Some big talking points out of it. Um, Pogba coming on and then getting sent off for a double-footed lunge. A few players not doing particularly great things in either effort or attitude. Um, Liverpool just generally embarrassing our defence. Just um, a painful one all around, really. Um, As far as Ole, I think that if they are going to pull the trigger... Ole's at the wheel. Ole's at the wheel. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Um, If they are going to pull the trigger, it'll probably happen in the next couple of days. Um, Otherwise, I think he will get until at least December um, to maybe turn this around because we are starting a pretty rough run of fixtures. And though my inkling is that they will give him a chance to turn it around. 
Um, but if it doesn't turn around over the next couple of months, I think it probably is over. A few reasons for that. One being we somehow gave him a new three-year contract at the start of the season. And a couple of weeks ago, we gave his assistant, Mike Phelan, a new three-year contract as well. So it's going to cost a fair bit to sack them. And the other being that the three top managers linked to Manchester United to replace him have been Conte, Zidane, and Brendan Rodgers. Um, Zidane, according to various reports, isn't interested. Uh, Rodgers, according to various reports, isn't interested either, as he is apparently, to according to most um, people's thoughts, is going to hold out and look to replace Guardiola at City eventually. Um, apparently, that's the plan most people are thinking for him. And Conte comes with his own baggage and issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, going to be an interesting one to follow. I, I'm going to say that uh, they will give Ole a few more months to turn it around. So do you think then, well, a couple, I'll, I'll make a comment first before I ask the question. I just thought that it was fan, really wonderful of Man United to um, put together, if you do the highlights of that game, put together a how-to and how-not-to-press. So Liverpool showed the how-to press and Man U showed the how-not-to. And it was quite, you know, I think it was a quite comprehensive piece that they put together at the end of the day. It was it was just disgraceful how disjointed they were. And I'm no expert on how to press, but uh, it, was, it was just very disjointed. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the main thing against all, like, he is um, a legend for his playing days at Manchester United. Um, but I have seen like a lot of articles that have said as much as we respect him for what he's done, he is the right manager to come in after Mourinho and heal those divides that have happened. Um, is this the best he's ever going to get? And a lot of people have compared it to what happened at Chelsea with Lampard um, after they fired Lampard to Shell won the Champions League and they've looked a different team. So it's an interesting one, but... The main knock against uh, Ole is, as you say, the team just has no real identity or structure in terms of what we want to do. Um, and it's a really hard one because you can't really point to a player there that has improved in the last couple of seasons. And we can't really point to a team playing a certain way. Like you always knew with Sir Alex, it was going to be a 4-4-2 with Sean striker, quick wide men, really hard work in the centre. At the moment, I'm not sure we know. We just look like it's like a bunch of really good players um, and everyone's just kind of out for themselves and playing by, for themselves. I, I thought, I, I, f- I get the feeling that there was a plan and that plan got sort of turned on its head when Ronaldo joined personally. Like you, if he's wanting his players to press now, obviously he wanted to build a plan where they would press and try and turn over the ball quickly and then attack. But it's they're not able to do that with Ronaldo currently in the position he's playing. So I feel like there was a plan to move in that direction and Oli's still trying to figure out how best to do that when he's expected to play Ronaldo every week. Yeah, no, Ronaldo coming in has definitely disrupted probably his plan as well. But if you are going to play Ronaldo, he needs to be surrounded with the right sort of players. And the way our midfield is set up does not support a forward line that doesn't track back and run. Um, Because playing McTominay and Fred together up against the Liverpool midfielder, even the Liverpool midfield as it currently is, you can maybe argue it's not their strongest midfield anyway. Um, It doesn't suit the way Manchester United 
needs to and probably should play. Um, at the moment, they probably need to play deeper and not look to press at all and then maybe look to hit on the counter. That probably does suit us a bit more. Um, but, I mean, look, looking at our fixtures coming up, it, I mean, we're playing Manchester City pretty soon. Um, it could get even uglier pretty quick and I'm not sure how many more losses the... Well, the Glazers will be looking at stock price more than anything else. I'm not sure how many more losses our <laughs> stock price can handle. Would the stock price rise if the smoky 80-1 to 1 Arsene Wenger took over? Possibly. I was looking at a few of our manager candidates expecting the normal candidates to be there. And at the moment, the favourite is Antonio Conte, who is sitting at $1.73. Um, so really short odds there. The next few, obviously, Zidane, Rogers, Pochettino's on there. Um, some of the surprises, Cristiano Ronaldo at $19. Um, as you said, uh, we did have our old friend Sir Alex there at 40 and 50 bucks. Arsene Wenger at 50 bucks. Um, Harry Redknapp is on the list for $100 if you want to have a flutter on that one. <laughs> um, Gary and Phil Neville on $100. Dave Moyes making a glorious return at $80. Um, and Eric Cantona was a big surprise there for me, taking some time off from drinking wine and smoking for $275. So, I don't think including... you take time off that. It'd probably be hand in hand. <laughs> well, I mean, if we want a really hard working manager, I know there's your old favorite Neil Warnock there for $500 if you want to go for that far. I'd rather you get in Woy. I think uh, he'd at least get the defensive side sorted. You know, you're going to play, well, you know what you're going to play every week. Go for that. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a long couple of months, um, and I I don't think it's may well get worse before it gets better there. <laughs> well, let's see how it goes. Let's see how they progress. Look, they've got they've got the uh, they've got the players to do something, but uh, we'll have to see how Ollie is able to react and get his team to react. Dave, actually, hold on, hold on. We have had someone who hasn't even I don't think even said anything. Mick, Mick, are you there? Hey. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Hey, we'll we'll ask Mick. Sorry, Dave. Let's 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 talk to Mick really quickly. Um, now, Mick, your your moment of the week. What are you going to hit us with this week? I mean, my my moment of the week this week uh, is a sore point for me. Well, we'll get into my team later. Um, <laughs> but something that made Dan very happy, even though Lukaku wasn't involved, but the seven nil thrashing of uh, Chelsea over Norwich. Um, not necessarily just that, Mason Mount getting a hat-trick, quality of their play, but the fact that my first-round draft pick finally got a start, which I don't think was announced when we had this pod last week, so it came out after, and then managed to, despite being a central striker in that team, playing over 60 minutes, I think you subbed about 65th, 70th minutes, something like that, managed to not get a single attacking return. He was the only starting player for the Chelsea team to not score at least four points. When there's seven goals, to not get a single attacking return as a striker playing 60 minutes is quite impressive. Um, so I think that that's that's a pretty good summary of uh, my season so far and how I am just allergic to fantasy points this year. But Kai Havertz going from Champions League winner to... I, I honestly don't even know if he played... His his most his biggest involvement in that game was causing the first yellow card to Ben Gibson before he got the second yellow card to get the red. So that's uh that's my moment of the week is not only Chelsea's thrashing and how well they played, but how they managed to do it with ten men on the field and no striker. 
<laughs> it was actually even worse than that, Mick. I was just looking at that because I knew you would probably bring up habits. Um, everybody else who started scored six at least. The player you were talking about who scored four, um, who actually beat Havertz by one point, was Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who came off the <laughs> bench and played mm. 26 minutes. And he mm. still beat Havertz's point total. So yeah. it's just not been your season at all so far. Yeah, um, I, I said four because I was like, well, surely someone got a yellow card or one of the Chelsea players. But I guess when Chelsea had the ball the entire game, it's hard to get a yellow card, so... Maybe they got an assist and someone celebrated with a shirt off or something. That's my best chance to remove points from you guys. But hey, but on the plus side, Chilwell, three goals in three games, finally getting a start. Saving grace to my well, – not only a saving grace, but the only performing player on my team so far. And I would actually go as far as saying easily my biggest asset and could be some trade bait this week. Oh, there we go. Look, I must say – Havertz did have some pretty good involvement in all the goal celebrations when he was on the field. So if if his involvement, you know, if we're talking about his involvement, well, he had some involvement, just uh, not in any attacking sense. We were we were listening really quickly to what you were, last week's podcast just before you joined us on the call, Mick. And I just want to quote something that you said really really quickly. Because you were talking about the fact that Norwich might be in with a, a sneaky shot to get a 1 0 win. Pretty and sure it was 41 to 1. Well, uh, 41 correct. to 1. I think it was yeah. 44, 44 to 1. Oh, okay. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty and close. So right? This is a direct quote from you, Mick. Chelsea haven't looked that good going forward. <laughs> Which I thought was, you know, just sums oh, it up beautifully. Everybody knows that's because Havertz played this week, right? They haven't looked that good. Lukaku's been awful. Maybe they needed to get Lukaku out. Havertz is much better at just staying away from the ball, which is what they needed. Exactly. Lukaku just gets in the way. It definitely seems like that so far. So maybe they just just go out with 10 guys next week. Just play a a 5-3-1. Just just do that. Just don't have a central striker. Just play Jorginho, Kante, and Mason Mount, and that's it. Just put the extra player in the goal. Sit there. I mean, well, they are playing. They, got, they are playing Newcastle, so and they they probably have the most informed keeper as it is. They don't need another one of those. <laughs> well, look if if it wasn't mixed week, it was definitely Dave's week. So, Dave, see, because I wasn't expecting you being here, we we were going to have a brief chat about the Watford game, but you're here, so lay it on us. Uh, are you? We'd been caught. We'd we'd been saying that Ranieri he was gonna he was gonna go, but I'm I'm thinking maybe Ollie's gonna go before Ranieri now. Maybe maybe Man U's gonna poach Ranieri. Yeah, is that is that a possibility? Turns around the team quick. <laughs> no, well, I don't see him on the odds at the moment. I mean, you probably give him slightly shorter odds than us and Wenger, though. So you never know. No, good week. Good week. Second game under Claudio, and we managed to get a 5-2 win over our recent uh, nemesis, Everton. They stole our manager from us, uh, Marco Silva, one of the few managers that we didn't get to sack first um, before he left. Uh, they took Ricky from Rio. They took Decore. Uh, I guess in return, we did take Josh King off their hands and he managed to score a hat-trick against them. So that was nice. But uh, yeah, the big talking point out of that one was just the way we finished the game. Four goals in the last 12 or so minutes. So 
good result. Can't complain. No, that's fantastic. It's it's lovely to get some good news about Watford for a change. Um, it was a result that I don't think anyone really was expecting. So, hey, I wasn't credit, expecting credit it. to them. No, I I don't know what happened with Everton. They just fell off a cliff. It, it was I from from what I've seen that their their defensive line just had a shocker, an absolute shocker, and no, nothing nothing worked for them. So, hey, it's fantastic. Not sure who they've got next week, but we will look at that soon. And uh, let's just hope that the role continues. But um... hosting Southampton, Isaac. Oh, okay, there you go. That's another. That's another winnable one. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was about to say that that's the kind of game that typically we don't perform in, but the way <laughs> we're going at the moment, it's typical that we don't perform every week. And uh, the Everton game was the. Uh, the exception that proves the rule. But I don't know. Let's see how we go in it this weekend. It could be the circuit breaker, Dave, just the circuit breaker that you've needed. Could be. So fingers crossed. Look, we'll round this up with my moment of the week. Now, it is in relation to a particular game, the game that I sort of called as the one that would be interesting to me, Palace versus Newcastle. But it hasn't really got to do with anything that uh, happened on the pitch, although it was a, a one-all draw. So Palace's fourth uh, draw in a row, which you know, means we're picking up points, but we've definitely dropped a few there as well. Um, but mine's more in relation to uh, the Crystal Palace fans and the banner that they unfurled at the game. So um, this is obviously the first game where Newcastle have their new ownership. Um, Steve Bruce, oh no, second game, I should say. Uh, Steve Bruce wasn't in charge, caretaker coach. But um, the Palace fans unfurled a, a banner that was in some circles thought it was a bit uh, controversial, but sort of in protest to the, the, the takeover, the, the sort of Saudi ownership. Um, it's easy to find online, but for those who sort of uh, haven't seen it, or haven't heard about it, I'll give a quick sort of description. Uh, it's uh, It's got a, a, a Saudi Arabian gentleman with a big sword um, looking to, well, it looks like he's going to decapitate a poor old magpie. Uh, and then in the other corner uh, has a Premier League bigwig uh, who's um, standing next to a, a clipboard of the Premier League owners test, which basically says terrorism, tick, beheadings, tick, civil rights abuse, tick, murder, tick, censorship, tick, persecution, tick, with his thumbs up saying, yep, they're good to go. He's got the uh, rainbow captain's armband in one hand and he's standing in a, uh, a pool of blood with some money sort of at his feet uh and the fans in the background saying we've got our club back so they were sort of having a bit of a dig at all parties there concerned with that particular deal um at one point the banner was under investigation by police uh i I think that they were sort of uh suggesting there could have been some some racism involved you know given what it depicted but um it's simply those fans having their having a voice and and sort of uh, sort of showing that they're really not pleased with the fact that the owners, uh, the Saudi Arabian government, um, you know, ha- have all these human rights violations um, and they've sort of just been washed aside to let them still buy a club and, and be involved in, in the English game. So I sort of hope that more clubs do it, more fans sort of, voice their opinion and show uh, their dis- 
their, their displeasure to this particular deal. Um, and we'll just sort of wait and see what happens over the coming weeks. So I thought that was a pretty pretty interesting moment um, and you know, one that I'm sure will be discussed more and more as more and more fans sort of get involved and, and, and sort of show what they believe, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has any comments around it. Yeah, so here in um, Australia, one of your old boys, Isaac, so uh, Craig Foster, ex-Socceroo, yep. ex-Crystal Palace, um, is now an analyst here and he had quite a bit to say over the course of nearly 10 minutes uh, on his show, uh, basically calling it out that it was great as long as it's done um, tastefully and not uh, in a racial or an Islamophobic way, which personally I don't think it was. It was just stating what are known human rights uh, abuses for those guys. Um, interestingly, I think it's going to happen more and more into the future. We're obviously coming up towards the 2022 World Cup. Um, we saw it when Russia hosted. There was a lot of backlash around their um, laws against homosexuality and whatever. Um, interestingly, this week, and Fozzie made this point, David Beckham has become the latest to put his name uh, in support of, uh, as an ambassador for the World Cup, uh, no doubt there was plenty of cash to sway him in that direction. Uh, the Qataris obviously know that the focus is going to be on them and they need one of the biggest names in the world, sport or otherwise, in their corner. Uh, but Fozzie made a great point. So David Beckham, when he announced that he was the, the ambassador, came out and basically spoke out saying... He supports women's rights and um, he supports basic human rights and doesn't like that, you know, there have been these workers building the stadiums basically dying. And Fozzie just called him out. He said, that's all well and good, but you just took a big bag of cash. And if he really wanted to use his influence and his political influence, he could have put terms and conditions on that bag of cash that he accepted and said, look, I'll be an ambassador and I'll take your cash, but I'll call you out if people like the UN and um, those kinds of people who do these reports and investigate these sorts of things, if they're saying to me and my people that things aren't improving, I'll call you out. And that was never part of the deal. So, um, you know, sport and politics have always mixed despite what many people think and what they want to think. Um, but it's going to be very turbulent, I think, over the next 18 months or so. Um, obviously, you know, the PSG owners have their own um, issues. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to really come to a, a fore and it'll be on the fans to make a stand like they did with the Super League stuff. Obviously, you know, that's not a human rights issue. Um, but if there's a big issue, the football fans can make a stand, can be heard, and will make a change. Absolutely. And and the last thing I'll say just in relation to this, just touching back on the point you made before about, you know, whether the banner or the protest crosses the line, becomes, you know, um, 
more about race than anything else, for example. I just wanted to point out that in terms of this banner, you know, the people who obviously made it, um, I don't think cross that line. It is a fine line at times, but, you know, they were not only having a dig at this Saudi Arabian PIF, which is a public investment fund, but they were also having a dig at the, the Premier League quite clearly in actually uh, sanctioning this move, sanctioning this deal um, without any regard for the actual issues that are going on in that country. Um, so for me, uh, it didn't cross the line. I, I acknowledge, though, that there is a line that could get crossed at some point by some fans, which uh, hopefully is dealt with as well. Um, but in this case, I don't think it was. And, you know, thank, thankfully, they, they have the right to protest and they've done it in, a, uh, in an appropriate way, an appropriate enough way. So. Yeah, and if if they pass the fit and proper owners test, why even bother having a test in the first place? Yeah, and I've I've listened to a few podcasts around what that test actually is, and realistically, that that had nothing to do with it. It was more that the TV it's just rights, financial. It the, yeah, it was it was more that um, they Saudi Arabia stop actually. Um, uh, ripping off their their broadcast and broadcasting for free and actually you know paying for that broadcast right so you know we'll we'll wait and see i think it'll it'll continue to be something that that is talked about over the course of many years to come all right let's quickly look at mixed multi from last week now mick you you had three legs how many legs worked were you able to 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 make your money or are we looking into this week uh, rather uh, with some importance looking to make that money back? Uh, we still have 30 or 29 more weeks to make that back, Isaac. We're in no rush here. We only need, we've said this before. At we what point are we in a rush? Uh, <laughs> like how many games? Week 38. Okay. All right, all right. And <laughs> everyone wants you to come out with 38 adjectives to describe the multi. So if I get it early, you're going to stop. So I just need to string everybody along here. we got it. We've got to have some bait to get the listeners back, Isaac. I can confirm, having spoken to Dan last night, that the only reason he listens is to see what new concoction of words you can come up with each and every week, Isaac. And he's very much looking forward to week 38. I can point out. It's going to take the whole podcast if, for me to get through the name. Sorry, mate. I don't know if I enjoy maligned as the new word. I just. Why would I, you spoil it now, Mick? Well. It's I've like got to, you got don't to have hook any people to get me. them to listen to the end. Malign? Oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, It'll be a yeah, better one multi- next week. D- didn't go that well. I mean, I got <laughs> one leg. I mean, I was a third of the way there. That's how it works, right? Um, Liverpool win. I mean, that was over pretty pretty quickly. Um, Wolves lead. I think I had to cover a one-goal start uh, for Wolves, which when you look at briefly look at it, they get a... They conceded in the 95th minute. They were up 1-0. But if you look at the stats, it looks like Leeds pumped them. They were just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Um, so, I mean, it might have looked somewhat close, but I don't think they were really that close to scoring a second goal. The other one was Palace to win by two or more. I think they had Newcastle. Um, that was a one-all draw. It looked relatively even from the stats. I didn't get to watch that game. You'll know more, Isaac. But I it, wasn't that was, it wasn't even. It wasn't even? No. Were you up or were they up? Who who was more likely to win that one? We were, yeah. Okay, so maybe ben, that ben one Benteke had like four good chances. Um, yeah, so Callum Wilson, was that his return from injury, scoring the goal? 
Um, maybe a week or two he's been back, but yeah, yeah, straight back into it, straight back to doing what he does and scoring goals. So um, that one, I guess, there's some possibility there. I think Wolves may have looked like the better or the closer option there, but I think definitely uh, that was the one that Leeds maybe have turned a corner, especially when their best player got subbed off before making the two points uh, for the 60th minute. So, yeah, that's that didn't go too well, but I'm, I'm doing some research and I'm looking at this week and we then know what we don't bet on. So we'll see where that comes to when we get later. I'm, I'm a bit concerned that maybe you don't quite know how legs work because I think if an animal starts with three legs and only has one working <laughs> leg at the end of the time, that they're in probably a little bit of trouble, like survival of the fittest type thing. So you sort of mentioned that maybe, oh, you know, I'm pretty close. I think, I'm not sure, Mick. I'm not sure. Hey, it had three legs. One of them was good, two were stumps. They, they were half there, right? They just weren't full legs. That's the problem. Um, but I actually saw a great video Still today. Still not half dog there. With two legs, it was half there, and it it had a great life. So I'll send you that video. We might even uh, find it on Twitter and share it to our loyal followers. But you only had one. If it was a racehorse, you'd need a bigger tarp, Mick. <laughs> yeah, it, it hasn't gone well, but hey, there's always next week, right? There is, there is, um, the much maligned multi is coming up. So, <laughs> um, let's get into the waiver wise summary. So Gilby, run us through the, the waivers for our league for this week. Who picked up who? Now I'll admit that I didn't pick up a waiver this week. I, I think I picked up a free agent trade later on, but I totally f- blanked on the early deadline. So I missed it, but I had a look at it and I felt that I probably wouldn't have picked up anybody anyway because who I was thinking was maybe gone early but run us through it who picked up who were they good waivers all right so first cab off the rank was Dan who continued his hot streak shall we say uh he dropped uh, Dennis yeah he dropped Dennis for Armstrong um which at first was going to be horrible but then he made a free agent move later, which I'll get into a bit later, which kind of salvaged things for him. So it was looking like he was going to continue his great streak of dropping players that then scored double points that Dave pioneered. Um, but he managed to salvage things a bit later on. So we'll get onto that a bit later. So I failed it at first, but he salvaged it a bit later. Pioneered so... and mastered, let me say, Dave. Pioneered <laughs> and mastered. Yep. Uh, we're all waiting for Draxler again. So <laughs> Mick is dropping... Barnes for Redmond, uh, which I'm going to say Good is one. probably probably a pass, given that Redmond at least plays. But <laughs> Redmond, of course, then started to catch Mick's new curse uh, of missing an open net from two yards out. Um, so I'm going to say a little bit of an upgrade, but only because he's playing more. Um, Jeff was... Um, he, Jeff is an interesting one. He's being carried big time by Salah, who, if people aren't aware, he's now 50 points ahead of anyone else in fantasy. Um, Jeff dropped Kovacic for Nicolas Pepe from Arsenal, which I'm going to say is an immediate foul because Pepe did not play at all and has only played four matches from the start, like four starts. And Kovacic uh, scored 11 points in his mm. last game. So 11 points compared to zero minutes versus Villa. I'm going to say a foul for now on that one. Um, Nate was next. He dropped a Kure who's injured. So for a Jose Perez from Leicester. So a pass given to Kure's out for a fair while, unfortunately. Um, I was next. I dropped Fiapo, Dave's old mate, uh, for Salisu from Southampton. 
Uh, just had a look at Southampton fixtures. Looked like um, that would be a good move there. And given Fiapo is still on single points, single figures for points, thought that was all right. Um, Dan then dropped Chalabar, who I think has now been dropped by three different managers for some reason. <laughs> um, he is out and he brought in Ogbonna from West Ham, um, which did look terrible at first, but Ogbonna popped up with um, some points for West Ham. Uh, Jeff dropped Veltman uh, for his old favourite Burnley defender Tarkowski, uh, looking for some solid points there. Then we had some free trades. Dan was next. He salvaged things by then dropping the player he'd brought in, Armstrong, for Brojar from Southampton. A lot of people in the real game are bringing Brojar because he's very, very cheap. And he has looked the starter for Southampton. He's actually replaced Armstrong. So Brojar actually scored eight points. So only ended up costing him three points for dropping Dennis. So kind of salvaged things with a late move there. Uh, Dan continued his moves there. He then went on to drop Sancho for Rodrigo from City. Um, I'm going to say a fail because uh, Dan's position in the league, he really needs to take some risks there. And Rodrigo is going to give you probably three points most weeks because City are going to win most weeks, but he isn't really going to be contributing any goals or assists there other than maybe a couple out of the whole season. So I think... I think he probably needed to hold Sancho there and hope he would actually come good, whether it was for Ole or not. Um, so that I wouldn't have done myself, but I can understand why he's done it. He then dropped Lucas Maurer for Buendia, a uh, mixed favourite from the start that he's parted with now. So maybe looking to take a risk there. I'm going to say 50-50 there. And you were last, Isaac. Uh, you dropped Gabriel, who you brought in for the good Arsenal fixtures, for Seamus Coleman from Everton. So, yeah, not the best match to bring in Seamus Coleman on. Uh, we'll probably get to your results <laughs> for this round a bit later. But um, I would have said a 50-50 move easily there. Coleman a lot more attacking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can understand why he made that move there. So that was the end of the moves for this week. Yeah, look, uh, that's your opinion, Gilby. But, um, yeah, what you said is spot on. He's more attacking. Didn't expect that result. He was just going to be on my bench anyway, which we'll get to. Um, he'll probably be shipped out this week anyway. So, you know, that's okay. All good there. Look, let's have a quick look at the table. So, uh, currently, there. look, it's a high-scoring round this week, um, as most regular sort of FPL managers would have experienced a uh, high-scoring round uh, in, this, in, the, in the draft game. No different except for a couple of managers, which we'll talk about. Um, Gilby still on top. Now, I was closing Gilby down, but he's broken away again, uh, unfortunately for me. But uh, Gilby still on top, 51 points this week, uh, 471 in total. So 51 points is a, a fairly decent return. You've been able to stretch the lead from me. And um, look, I'm you got to be pretty happy with that, considering you still have a couple of players injured on your bench, or one definitely, and a few that just didn't play. Um, run us through it. How's your team sort of shaping up? Are you you still confident with this team that you have? Yeah, no, I mean, I was really happy in the end. Uh, I was spitting chips at first and cursing Thomas Tuchel for not playing as Piliqueta for a 7-0 win. Uh, but that actually turned out okay. And 
arguably came out kind of even with Jota coming off the bench for 11 points uh, for a goal and assist up against Manchester United. So it was a painful 11 points to accept, but I'll take him. <laughs> um, Tielemans continued his hot streak for me with a goal for Leicester for another 10. And then my strikers continue their um, good form as well, or Bamiyang. Uh, again, a pretty a mixed one for him. He lost uh, about four or five points for missing the penalty and hence being disqualified from bonus and cost him two. So that cost me a bit there. I was a bit frustrated with that. Um, Antonio scored again. Um, another frustrating one for me was uh, I said that if Watford were going to score any points, it would be Ismail Asar contributing. And he contributed sweet nothing for Watford's five goals. And in fact, Dennis, who came on to replace him, uh, scored two assists and a goal. Um, so that was a frustrating one for me. So a bit of a mixed one, but really good signs that even in a frustrating week where I thought I could have gotten a fair bit more from a few players, um, still got 50 points plus. So really good signs there. Um, only really looking at maybe trading defenders, as I've spoken about before, depending on fixtures. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really happy. Yeah, very nice. And as I said, and able to extend that lead, uh, I think it was about 10 points before um, extending it now to, to 30 points, which is, you know, a really, really decent effort. Um, I mean, and that leads us into sort of my round week. I'm still in second place. Only 30 points, and that's really disappointing in a high-scoring game week. Um, and Not as bad as some still, and we'll get to that, and that'll be an interesting <laughs> conversation. So I've still got some some form of bragging rights. But for me, what it means is that um, I've dropped points to Gilby, and third place, who is Jeff, is... Uh, I can see him in the rearview mirror a little bit clearer at the moment so that was a little bit disappointing so hopefully i can rectify that this coming week so for me after the first game i'm thinking you beauty i've got rudiger nine points uh pretty happy with that uh mendy uh, six points again i was after that first game feeling pretty good about what was to come then after that it pretty much fell apart so um no real points after that from any of my team um which was disappointing. Uh, midfield just did nothing. You've got I've got Mane, which you know you'd think in a seven nil, oh, sorry seven, a five nil win versus Man United, there's going to be some points go his way, and uh, he ended up with one point, which was very disappointing. Um, but you know I'm confident he'll still be able to um, get some good points in the next few game weeks. Uh, but yeah, nothing nothing else happened. So Mwemo one, Greenwood one, Townsend two, Benrama three, Diaz and Walker, they had a, a goal scored against them, so they didn't pick up any clean sheet bonuses. Iacho got sort of the the assist before the assist in his game. Ings Villa looked just terrible. So unfortunately for me, wasn't able to do anything. Thirty points is all I could manage, so um the I've got a bit of breathing space still, but I'm going to have to uh, pick up some points in the next few rounds and hope that maybe Salah doesn't fire to, um, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable in my position. Yeah, um, you keep saying it was disappointing, Isaac, but yeah. I'm not disappointed at all, just quietly. Oh. No, no. I'm glad. And I will point out that it's the first time in quite a few weeks that you're now closer to third than you are to first. Yes. So Gilby will no doubt be pleased with that. Um, but Jeff is hot on your tail. 
He uh, is. I think the thing that is going to because Jeff Jeff I think he he won the week didn't he sixty eight points which is fair enough considering he had Salah, um who yeah, I mean, pretty much Salah won the week not Jeff but yeah yeah sorry Salah won the week and the the fact that his second high scorer Vardy actually got injured uh, only got the one point and he was still able to haul pretty big uh, is credit to him he's he's stuck with Mares and Bernardo uh, and and Gundogan to from City who you know sometimes play sometimes don't given it's pep roulette um and they've all banged for him this week they've all done really really well Hwang got eight points Gundogan 10 Mares six Bernardo five um he got Van Dyke and Allison clean sheet uh, points as well uh the rest of his backline didn't do so well uh Wan-Bissaka had a horrid day Tarkowski who we brought in again one point cash one point uh, nothing on his bench but you know when you've got Salah you don't need anyone else, do you? <laughs> we actually got a equal most points for the round with Mason Mount, um, who actually helped out one of our other managers we'll talk about soon. So equal king of the game week for Salah there. But yeah, I mean, uh, to 100 points now, uh, far quicker than even his golden boot season in 2017-18. So yeah, I mean, if Salah keeps going, it's going to be tough to stop Jeff. Absolutely. And, and look, just behind Jeff, Fourth place, Dave, 55 points. That was third this game week. You're around 20 points behind Jeff at the moment. So, you know, there's a bit of a gap there, but you must be pretty happy with that. You must be happy that you're able to get back into fourth place. And, um, you know, I think your team, there was a few underperforming players there, but realistically, you know, your backline did it for you. Yeah, definitely uh, all down to the defence. So Martinez in goals for 10 points. Livermento scored a goal, got me nine. Uh, uh, TAA with the shutout and the assist for 10. Um, and Robbo with the shutout as well. Yeah, um, Livermento should have had two. wasn't really too much trouble. Like he he he, he yeah. was so close to getting. No, he got two his, bonus points, but two goals yeah. would have been nice. He almost he before he actually scored, he had a cracker of a shot which came off the inside of the bar, and just just missed actually going in. It was ridiculous. So you know, got to be happy with yeah, that. Yeah. So he he actually had the highest in the game. He had three shots in the box and created three chances along with hitting the post that Isaac said. So really really good pickup there for you, Dave. Yeah, and. Like you said, Isaac, there are also a few people that underperformed. So Odegaard, only the one point, and he's been teetering on the edge of the chopping block for a few weeks now. Um, I think so, he's yes, go, mate. still to be considered. Mm-hmm. Sorry? I think I think he's got to go. Uh, it what seems was that? Though... What, 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 what? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you think you're possibly right, um, especially when you're looking at their fixtures. So they've got Leicester. Uh, they're at home to Watford, so you can rack that down for a few goals yeah. against him. Um, <laughs> but then in the next few weeks after that, Liverpool, Man U, although that's maybe not as tough as it once was, Everton, West Ham. So yeah, it's not a great run for him. Um, so. Yeah, he could very well still be on the chopping block. Um, Sun, only the two points. Sushek, only the two points. Um, Grealish got me six, which was nice. Wilson got a goal for five. Tony and Eduard, only appearance points. Um, so it really was my defense that 
got me all of those points. Um, regardless, I'm still happier because I think that the players that didn't necessarily score for me uh, will do, hopefully sooner rather than later. And at the end of the day, uh, I've made up ground on both yourself and Gilby. So when we're thinking long game, uh, whilst Jeff might have got a few more points than me directly ahead, if we're thinking really long game and I want to finish first, like everyone, I have closed that gap ever so slightly. <laughs> Seems like Mick doesn't actually want to finish first. Mick, what's uh, what's the plan for you, just really quickly? To try to get more than 30 points in a game. Okay, Mick? well, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Look- or is that at least, is it, are we revising to like beating Nate? Because that's generally what most of us aim for first. So, when we get to my team, I may be revising my uh, yearly goal. Um, it will still involve Nathan, but yeah, we'll get to that one in a minute. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Nathan. He dropped down to fifth, thirty nine points this game week. Um, only three points behind Dave, so he's still there or thereabouts. Um, solid week without anything too spectacular. The only sort of, well, Smith Rowe was spectacular for him. 13 points, did really, really well. I think the big thing that let Nathan down was his back line. Man City sort of stacked with Man City. Cancelo, Laporte and Edison unfortunately had a goal scored uh, against them. So wasn't able to pick up any points there. Uh, Gray with an assist, I think. Richarlison with a goal coming off the bench, I believe. Uh, Jimenez with, um, an assist as well. So there was definitely some points that were scored for him, but just overall couldn't quite uh, get to the heights that he has the last few weeks, but still there or thereabouts. So he's still in a good position. De Bruyne only got the one point as well, and that's his main man at the moment. So, uh, you know, he's going to look to bounce back, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident with the team he has that he definitely will. Pretty lucky, really, when you think that he's got two Everton players in his team. Uh, they got beaten 5-2, and he still managed to combine Gray and Richarlison for nine points. So yeah. uh, you'd take nine points from two players in a 5-2 loss any day of the week. So pretty lucky there. Absolutely. Could have been a lot worse, I guess. Yeah, and when I was looking at uh, KDB, uh, he actually came on in the 77th minute. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be something Nate's going to have to deal with with the rotation. But from the 77th minute onwards, he actually created four chances. So, I mean, KDB, as we've all said, when he's on uh, on the field and fit, um, easily one of the top five players probably in the world and definitely in the Premier League. Mm. So, uh, if you can yeah. stay on the pitch and fit, he's going to be big points. I mean, I'm liking Nathan's team just for the fact he's got one, two, three, four Man City players. And if they're winning the league, and they're going to get a bucket load of points for him. So uh, I think that, you know, he's he's in a good position here. So he'll he'll be riding his luck all the way to the bank if he can get there. Um, in sixth, jumped up some places. Ben, 58 points. So he's he's able to, to, to jump up into sixth when he was, you know, last a few weeks ago. So he's done really, really well with 58 points this week. Um, and that was with Pogba getting minus two for coming off uh, in the second half and getting a red card. A beautiful lunging tackle. He's off the ground. He's gone over the ball, hit the base of the shin and been um, t- taken off. But I think the, the big thing that helped, well, uh, the two big things that helped uh, Ben this week, Mount 24 points, Foden 18 points. 
So that's really where his points have come from. From he's got a, a shutout with Thiago Silva, he but did otherwise. Leave Yes. Oh, yes. He did, he did. leave he Cresswell left. on the bench for twelve points. Yeah, he did. So it could have been even better. So twelve points uh, for Cresswell on the bench. Absolutely. Luckily, left Maguire on the bench as well, which is uh, could could be seen as a masterstroke as well. But you know, Ben is really if if Foden and Mount continue their form, he's going to start to pick up some big points as well. And I know both teams have pretty good fixtures coming up. So. Ben's in a really good position. I wonder what he does with Pogba. He's going to be out for a few matches. Uh, maybe, Gilby, maybe you'd like to trade for Pogba? Uh, certainly not. Um, oh. I, I don't think that's going to be happening. I wouldn't have him <laughs> at all. Um, but as we've said before, what Ben's season is going to turn on, in order for him to move at the table, he needs Kane to start scoring goals. Um, you need your first draft pick to contribute some points. And... Mount and Foden, as great as they've been, they're not going to be combining for, what's that, 42 points in most weeks. So if Kane doesn't keep scoring, um, Ben won't be a threat in the long term. If he does, he certainly will be. Very, very true. And, you know, as we, as we, as we move past Ben and go into seventh, now Daniel has climbed his way up off the bottom. Um, and that means we'll talk to Mick very shortly about what that means for Mick. But he's climbed his way off the bottom, but on equal points with Mick on 339 points, 45 points for this round. Very much like Nathan, you know, nothing too sort of spectacular, but just solid points all round. So his uh, late free transfer in Broja, uh, eight points, Jesus, five, James on 13 points. That's where the bulk of his points has come from, who, you know, he had a bit of a a very good game. Um, Ogbonna, another one of his waves coming in, five points. Midfield didn't do too much, but he's got some good players there in Bowen, Saka, and Trossard who will look to get some good points moving forward. Um, he's holding Lukaku on the bench at the moment, who's injured. Um, you know, things are on the on the improve for Dan. He's looking pretty good. I know he's been trying to make some trades still, so it'll be interesting to see when we talk about some trades, what he's got going on. But, uh, look, that does lead us to Mick. So, Mick... The goal is to get over 30 points. Uh, how'd that goal go this week? No, that is the new goal. Oh, new sorry. The goal is to get 30 points around. Gotcha. Because I've managed that about 44% of the time so far. So okay. I've only done it four times out of nine game weeks. So um, I had one of the other managers, Ben, messaged me and said it wasn't a great week. And out of the nine weeks, this ranked fifth. It was my fifth best week. So it's pretty much an average wow. week for me. Yep. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean... When Ronaldo and Rafinha, probably arguably my two best fantasy assets, combine for two points, and then I have two defenders that combine for negative two points, I'm effectively playing with seven. Can I just say something, though? So if they've combined for two points, your two best draft picks combine for three. Well, they do. So what you're saying is I made some great picks. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, absolutely. Um but yeah, so yeah, two negatives. So Luke Shaw and uh, Dinier both getting negative one doesn't help, particularly when I tried not to play one of them. I had Luke Shaw on the bench knowing that they had uh, Liverpool this week, um, but then Markel didn't play for Wolves. So unfortunately, Luke Shaw came in um, and then Sterling also didn't play. So Fornells came in for three points. So that three points helped. Basically, the only thing to write about in my team was Chilwell with 12 points scoring for the third game in a row and a clean sheet. Um, Redmond did get an assist, but like uh, Gilby said, missed an open goal. So really 
nothing to note in my team other than, I guess, more of the same business as usual. <laughs> so, okay. So if the new goal is to to get to and beat 30 points of a game week, because that's going to be above your average, what what else, yep. what other goals are you so surrounding? My, my season goal, so I did say it and I believe I've... Uh, don't want to say awaken the beast because that might be too much of a compliment. Um, but I may have started to dig my own grave by giving Nathan the challenge of beating me because that I'm not going to say it's a sure thing, but it seems a lot more easily done than I would like it to be. <laughs> um, my new goal is basically to not finish last because not only would finishing last mean that yes, he does successfully beat me, but he would take way too much pride passing me back that trophy. So the new goal is just to not finish last. Um, and even that, drag someone down with you. Basically, I just need to hope other people do as poorly as I do. But I've been trying to make some moves. We spoke about a trade last week on the pod and sent it through to Dan. I spoke to him the next day. So I would have accepted it. But with the early kickoff, um, he only just had to remind us hours. of that trade. Uh, just really quickly, if head, you can recall. It was a three-person trade. I know I was getting uh, Dennis, Lucas Moura, and I think it was Jared Bowen for Ronaldo, um, Sterling, and other. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, I'd be too far back, I think. Oh, I did say there somewhere. Lucas Moura, Bowen, Dennis for Sterling, uh, Harvey Barnes, and Ronaldo. So, I mean, it would have worked out well for me in that out of the three guys I would have been giving up, they combined for a total of one point this week. Um, and the guys I would have been getting from Dan, two of which he dropped anyway, um, I would have got a total of one, two, three, four, five, and 12 is 17 points. Um, so it would have worked out for me. And then he told me he would have accepted it, but unfortunately it just didn't get to go through because of the, I guess, 49 hours before the first game rule that we have in our league, which... I think I think we'd all agree that next year it'd be nice to be able to make those all the way through. But hey, you live and learn. It's our first year doing this one with these rules, so we'll do that for next year. So, are you still keen this week to be making moves to try and reinforce your midfield and looking at giving up Ronaldo and Chilwell, or what are we thinking this week? Yep. <laughs> yep. Not this week. Um, there, there's a few offers out there. Um, I know, speaking of Dan, there was one I sent to him earlier today, so Sterling and Ronaldo. And the way I look at it, Ronaldo should be a good fantasy asset. Unfortunately, he's probably not as good as he should be. So I've been trying to get rid of Sterling. Everyone knows that. It's no secret. Um, Ronaldo and Sterling, I offered to Dan for Jesus and Saka. Um, He counter-offered for Sterling Ronaldo. He added Chilwell in. Um, he said Saka's fine, um, or Buendia, um, but I don't want Buendia. I just had him and dropped him two weeks ago. He downgraded Jesus to Broha um, from Southampton, the guy he just picked up. And he, like I said, he added Chilwell in from my side for Alonso. So he downgraded my the forward I'd be getting, as well as giving me, well, across the last three weeks, 35 less fantasy points. So a player that's averaging 10 points. So I haven't, and I did say that to him, I said I wouldn't do it for Alonso, uh, but I did say I am in no, by no means attached to Chilwell that strongly. So I said I'll have a 
bit of a further think about it, um, and I'll get back to him. I said I would probably discuss it here. Um, but judging by, I think, well, Gilby's response there, he doesn't <laughs> quite get that counter offer. He thinks along my lines of uh, probably a little bit too much one way, but I think, like I said a couple of weeks ago, Dan's probably the guy I need to trade with because we're both struggling down there and we both have to take some risks. And in saying that, why am I getting my points from a guy that's not getting any points either? So I don't, yeah, I'll... I've put some mm. other offers out there. There's one sitting there now, which unfortunately a manager hasn't seen yet, but hopefully they'll get to. Um, never know, by the end of the pod, it might be there. But there, yeah, there's offers out there. Um, Ronaldo, Sterling, well, pretty much no one in my team is out of play. So if you've got some, throw them this way. But like I've said before, Gilby, it's hard for me to trade Ronaldo out without getting too much in return to get any value else elsewhere. Um, Look, yeah, that's I mean- my issue. As terribly as Manchester United have played the last few weeks, Ronaldo is still, in my opinion, he is still at least a 15-goal-a-season striker who is still, you would say, a blue-chip fantasy asset. So I think you need to be you need to be pretty careful about who you get in return for him. You really need to have someone that's going to be reliable five points around at least. Yep. So that's the only thing, like, I mean, I know you're really keen to take some risks and make some moves, yeah, but, like, that first, I think you may have suffered if you'd, if you'd have accepted that move from Dan, I think you'd be, we'd be sitting here in a few weeks saying, oh, my God, oh, it's gotten worse. So Absolutely. And I said that a few weeks ago when I first got Ronaldo. I think when you tried to get him, I said, at the end of the day, there's less shame in holding him and him never perform than there is giving up when he starts performing, but... The way it's going right now, I'm going to get last. So whether it's last with him or without him doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and we we look at that. But um, it's one of those things. I did also offer Ben tonight um, while this has been going a straight swap for Kane, um, but he's not on that. Which I thought, well, they're both underperforming. I know a couple of weeks ago I was keen to get rid of him, but um, not so much now. I think it would have been interesting if I'd offered that before the Liverpool game, if that was any different, but. That's another one I put out there, uh, which I'd be happy for, but Ben's not that keen on at the moment. So, yeah, Ben's definitely cooled on Kane. Yeah, cool on Kane. We so you know that it is going to be difficult to maybe uh, make a trade for Kane at the moment, but you never know. He he might do something around it. I, I'm keen now that we're talking about trades, and given that uh, Dave may can neither confirm or deny his meeting with some uh, particular managers. I'm I'm interested to know, Dave, if you have happened to, if you could confirm or deny that maybe there was some trade talk and possible trades put to said managers that you can neither confirm or nor deny. Uh, I was toying with possible trade with Ben. Uh, it requires some more thought from me before I put it to him. Yes, he has called on getting rid of Kane, but I still think if there's bait on the line, he may buy it. Um, The problem is I'm quite happy with my forward line as it is at the moment. I've got Callum Wilson, who's back from injury and scoring a goal first, first up. I've got Eduard, who's nailed on starter at Palace. And I've got Ivan Tony, who, the way Brentford are playing, I say it every week, he's bound to 
put goals in the back of the net at some point sooner or later. Uh, so in order to, cons- I mean, I, I would still consider Kane to be an upgrade on most of those, if not all. Um, but I need to think about what I can give to Ben to entice that trade. And maybe this is where I use my wild card of Robertson, my second Liverpool defender, uh, as that trade bait. Um, but then running through my head is the way Liverpool are playing and the way that he's playing. It's a big risk to put him on the table, even though that was always kind of the intention was to use him as trade bait. Um, he's having another good year when he's on the park. It's making it very hard for me to part ways with him. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's interesting. Like the, I think there's been more trade discussions this year than probably the last two or three years. To be fair, I don't know if that if you guys get that feeling, um, but it's very difficult, isn't it, to get this over the line because you do become attached to players, and all of a sudden you have to sort of think about well, um. When's the right time to actually tear that attachment apart? You know, you, you we're sort of forced to do it in some respect when we get to mid-season. So the trade beforehand, you know, you've got to be pretty pretty sure that you're you, you're getting a, the good end of the deal, but still able to present something that is um, is going to be received well from the other person. Well, speaking of uh, parting with players and being received well, um, another manager who we may have just been discussing has sent me a trade offer live right here. So I'll be interested to see what Dave and Isaac think, whether or not I want to help Mick out of his (laughs) mid-season hole or not. I don't know. But his offer is Ronaldo, Chilwell, and Sterling for Janssen, and any forward or mid of my choice. So... (laughs) Careful. (laughs) (laughs) So, that is an interesting one because I'd be interested first with Mick, is that including DCL or you ruling out DCL as being included? I'd have to do a bit more research. Surely you've got to include him, Mick. Surely you've got to include him. He's out for about... Four weeks, and when he comes back, he slots straight in, and he's a proven performer in recent times. Surely, he's got to be on the table. Well, I mean, Rondon's pretty done pretty well for them up front, hasn't he? <laughs> he's he's been awful. So, I mean, every chance, uh, yeah, you're right. He will come straight back in. Um, I'd have to do a bit of research regarding which combination of players that you'd put forward. Um, as for forwards, I mean, like you said, I've said before, they're all pretty solid, so there's not that much difference between them. The injury is the big one. Um, as for mids, I had a look at them, and the reason I went with Jansen is I figure as much as Brentford's done well, they may have slightly overperformed, whether they're actually that good a defensive team. I figure he's probably your weakest and easier to give up, easiest to give up, um, other than maybe Salisu, who, I mean, I, I want to make sure I get some level of value. Um, 
And then as for mids, they're all pretty similar. There's not that much difference between them. You could say Rashford's your weakest, but that's purely because he's been injured. So it's just he hasn't got the runs on the board yet. But I don't think anyone here doubts that he will. Uh, it's just a matter of when. So with that, the reason I, I haven't actually officially offered the trade, it was through a message. Now, it's because there's other trades out there that other managers have seen. There's there's probably others I would prefer at this stage. Um, but I need to see where it's at. So I think out of our eight-man league, I've currently got Ronaldo, Sterling, maybe pretty much all three of those offered to four of these other seven managers. So there's a few out there at the moment. Um, it's by no means a, a sure thing if you get an offer. Um, but I think it, it'll be interesting to see where the rest of these go. So we obviously know that Dan and I have been trying to talk about it. Um, Gilby, I've just sent one through to yourself as well. Uh, and then there, yeah, there's a couple other ones sitting there that have been uh, simmering in the mm. background trying to work out uh, the best way to go forward from there. I mean, I, I might have just sent a sneaky trade as well, Mick. <laughs> Well, the, so, the thing, yeah. like the, the only thing that makes me fall, because I would love to have Ronaldo, and if I was picking purely heart-based, I would take it. I would take that deal in a minute. The only drama I have is that, given Manchester United have not been great, if I take Ronaldo, then that means I'm taking Fernandez, Rashford, and Ronaldo every single week as part of my mm. starting lineup. And so when I you trade for Pogba as well, like you've got, <laughs> you've got the perfect, the perfect team. That said, like this is probably the point where Manchester United assets are worth their least in terms of status in most other managers. So if ever I'm going to get Ronaldo in a potentially favourable deal where I'm not strengthening Mick too much, this is probably it. But it involves taking a big risk for me as well. So I'm definitely going to have a think about it. I'll probably definitely give you a return offer, Mick. Um, we'll see. It's got to be nice, though, when you're trading with a manager that isn't a threat to your position. You're, you're purely one worried <laughs> yeah, about the only, weakening the only... your team. You're not worried about strengthening mine. You're worried about weakening yours. Well, the only problem with that is in the past few seasons, I have started really well and led for a fair few weeks and then proceeded to crash and burn. So this is one of those ones, like, as you say, if it's going to, one of us is going to end up with egg in our face. So, I mean, any, it can't get any worse for you. So if I open the door to you <laughs> and I give you Aubameyang and he goes to score on the golden boot and you beat Nate and beat me, then it's going to be talked about for the next 20 years. So this is the risk I'm taking. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something I'm going to have to have a think about. Um, do I replace Dave as the manager to make the worst transfers or not? No, no, Dan, Dan has that, surely. Not it may not, have been, not may not have been Premier League, but in our fantasy history, we've done a bit of A-League as well. I think Dan still takes the cake. Um, yeah, he st still takes the cake for that mm -hmm. one, which is why I'm surprised he still offers. Uh, no, to be fair, Ben and Isaac did have a bit of history, I think, last year or the year before. Year before um, last, so yeah. That, that, that was a pretty wasn't... that was a pretty bad trade. Yeah, that, that didn't part. end up that well. Um, Especially when I got Martial back in yeah. the in the free eight, in the in the in the mid season draft, and he went on to score a bag of goals. Yeah, but I think yeah, Dan's not had a great history with that. Um, but like I said, both he and I are in a position where it's worth taking risks because the way it's going, it's not going to change by itself. Um, so there, there'll be a few more offers out there. Hopefully, I should double check. It is a late kickoff this week. 
Yep, Friday yeah. 8 p.m. So it'll be a Thursday night trade deadline. So we still have just over tw- uh, 48 hours there. So hopefully, if we have a squiz at the end of the uh, week, there's a few trades that have gone through this week. Rather, <laughs> I feel than like we say that every expired. week. <laughs> I know, we say it every week. We talk about how hard it is. But like, like you did say before, there's definitely a lot more talk this year about trades. Um, I think maybe, maybe as the season goes on, as people have less to lose, it just becomes easier and easier because it's definitely getting easier for me to get rid of players <laughs> than it was five weeks ago. So, well, hopefully, should hopefully. We, should we quickly talk about the one I just sent you, Mick? And it'd be interesting to get maybe... Davey, the only manager who hasn't offered something for Ronaldo just at the moment? Have you got a, an offer out there? I don't fucking want Ronaldo. <laughs> well, just in general, a trade for Mick. I don't think you've got one on the table at the moment, do you? No. No, okay. Well, Besides I'd love to trash. know your thoughts. I don't want a piece of it. <laughs> Fair call. <laughs> there was an offer on uh, the 5th of October that we sent through that we spoke about briefly on the pod. So there has been an offer, but it's been... Uh, been and gone. Disregarded for a while. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, that came from you and... Not interested. <laughs> this is the one I sent through to Mick. So I I said I'd take off his hands Ronaldo Havertz and Chilwell for Ings, Greenwood and Walker. Now, Mick reminded me that he does have Watkins. So the double up with Villa isn't ideal. So in that, then it would be either Ian Archo or Bamford. And he's saying, well, there's I a think... rotation risk with Walker, which I disagree with personally, because I think he's more nailed on than most of the defenders for City. Yeah, and I, I haven't yeah, I think, I think... looked at that too much, but I, I think Mick has to my seriously mid, consider that. I'm. I realize Havertz was just involved in a seven-nil win where he did nothing, but. It'll be interesting. I believe Chelsea play in the morning as it is right now. I think there's an FA Cup or a League Cup game on. Um, it'll be interesting to see what team they put out to see whether Lukaku and Werner are back or not or whether Havertz stays because Chelsea's run of fixtures look very, very appealing, just short, short term. I think they've got Newcastle next, potentially Burnley the week after. Um, I could be very wrong in that. I'd have to double check. Um, but there's there's quite a quite a good run. So yeah, Newcastle, Burnley, Leicester, Man U, which we we all know Leicester has been a bit up and down. Haven't been nearly as strong as they have been. Have been getting some okay results. Um, they played Brentford, beat them two one. I think Brentford were almost on par. Probably didn't quite deserve to lose that game, but um, Man U have been awful. So. I think uh, Havertz is a much better chance of turning it around. I'd be happy to kind of hold Havertz for another two weeks until Lukaku and Werner are both fit. Because mm. even if only one of them's fit, I think he's still a chance to keep playing. Um, the other thing is, who is their other option? They got rid of Tammy Abraham. Hudson-Odoi was quite well, but he plays more as a wing-back rather than as the out-and-out striker. So what, I, what are their other options? I, I think the way I'd look at it, and obviously this favors my point of view, but the way I would look at it is as soon as Chelsea have their full complement back, is Havertz likely to start? And I would say no. Oh, absolutely. If I then look at the midfielder that I proposed, Greenwood, if I look, well, if Man United have a full complement, which one out of Havertz and, and Greenwood is more likely to start? I'd say Greenwood. 
is more likely to start. So although he, there might be rotation risk, he hasn't been rotated at all so far this season. He's scored some cracker goals. I think while he's still scoring goals, he's got currency. So for me, I think that in terms of that midfield swap, I actually think that that's not too bad for you. And if you're looking straight I feel at, like I'm taking the risk there. Yeah, and if you do the same thing with your defenders, so um, who was it? Walker for Chilwell, was it? Yeah. So Chilwell is definitely a rotation risk at Chelsea. And I thought the same thing, Isaac. I thought that Walker was pet rotation, pet roulette risk uh, at City because at one stage you offered him to me. Uh, I actually went back and had a look and up until that point he'd played every single minute. The only match that he has been rotated out of was the one one or two weeks ago where basically the entire first team was pet rotated out. So Walker is not uh, a rotation risk at City as much as anyone can be safe, I guess. Mm. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Stubbornness might be my undoing this time. I mean, I kind of think you're getting the best of it here, Mick. And Isaac's ahead of me on the table, so I'm (laughs) trying to make this happen. Gilby, say something. (laughs) You're just staying strategically silent in the background. Well, because he's got a trade on the table too, see? Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) It's it's a tough one for me. I can see upside in both managers. That said, if I was Mick, I would push for more um, if if I was Mick. Um, Because... You, you arguably you have what two blue chip assets being at the moment uh, being Chilwell and Ronaldo, so you really need like uh, to be able to take a big step forward if you're going to give up either one of those. So I'd be pushing for more if it was me. Depends if he can get more from elsewhere as well. Right? I think another so. another thing, yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll definitely see out these uh, other trade offers, but. We've mentioned it already, Ollie at the wheel. How does this change? How does fantasy asset value change based on new manager? So if a, if a Zidane comes in, if a Conte comes in, um, a guy like Conte, for instance, famous for playing a 5-3-2 wingbacks, which if you look at Manchester United squad, they are not built for that in any way, shape or form. And if they do their best bet is to take a Rashford, a Greenwood, a Sancho and play them as the wingbacks. Yeah. Because Shaw could, Luke, Shaw, Shaw could do it. Luke Shaw could go left. But that's it. But they're... Right, one right. Bissaka, Bissaka. maybe. Mm-hmm. But their three centre-backs are, would be awful. They're, the other road thing is you'd have probably, I guess, Cavani and uh, Ronaldo up top. And then you'd leave Pogba, Fernandez, and McTominay, I guess, through the middle as the three. Fred. So really, we're... <laughs> we're where does that leave Rashford, <laughs> Sancho, Greenwood, um, Diallo, a young kid that's coming through? I don't know if he ended up going out on loan, but all of their wingers, if Conte comes in and he seems to be the most favourite, um, where does that leave any of them? So I can see Greenwood playing in the two. Well, as I've much seen... as United's there, Ronaldo won't get rotated, and not to that extent. 
when Conte came into Chelsea the first time, because I was reading a bit more on that, um, he famously turned Victor Moses into a right-sided wing-back. So I would think that one of them, of those players you mentioned, would probably go there. And I was looking at it thinking... <laughs> like Sancho? Could... Gee, that's an expensive well... <laughs> wing-back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually looking at it going like, okay, who would have the work rate and potentially the character to run all match? And I think at the moment, you probably say Jesse Lingard, maybe, um, to maybe be able to do that. But defensively, very suspect. So, uh, again, you you maybe say Victor Moses was suspect defensively as well. So, it's Surely, a tough one. Surely, Wan-Bissaka and Luke Shaw, that, that's almost the strongest part of their team there. Yeah, Wan-Bissaka doesn't show anything going forwards for me. Um, in, I don't think he can five, be a three, two, In a 5-3-2, though, he might get a bit more license. I'd be yeah. thinking Currently, if they though, did go five three two, he would. If it was me, I would play him as the right sided centre back. Um, I think I would trust him ahead of the other centre back. You probably, uh, as much as I don't like saying this, our best centre back pairing is still Maguire with Varane. Um, I don't like Lindelof. Bailly, I would say, would be the competition. Mm. I, I I don't mind Eric Bailly, uh, injury prone, but I quite like him. Um, I would definitely have him ahead of Lindelof and Jones, put it that way. Um, but I would say Wan-Bissaka is a right-sided centre-back. And then you're looking for a right-sided player. As a as a pure defender, and this is purely based on, because I watched Wan-Bissaka a lot when he played for Palace. As a pure, if you look at Man United and say, well, who's the best defender in that team? I'd guarantee, almost guarantee that Wan-Bissaka is the best defender in your team, one right? On, one-on-one defending, yes. yes. Um, as part of a structure and positioning, no. Um, Correct. His positioning but that's has because, been really poor lately. But that's because he has, like, what do you want him to do, right? Like, as, as playing as a back four, he, he knows his position, he knows where he needs to be. And right now, the way that they're playing, he doesn't have to get forward to attack. Yeah, he's, he, he's he a shouldn't have of, to because of how many attackers they've got on the field, right? He's a victim of our lack of structure and our lack of organisation in defence. We've looked really poor across the board. So in the in a more organised team, Wambasaka is great as a one-on-one defender, which you often find yourself out on the wing there. Um, but going forward, he's never going to be that sort of um, wing back. But yeah, I mean, depends if Conte comes in. Um, if, I, if I'm pressed on it, I'm going to say he doesn't, at least at this moment. I'm going to say Solskjaer gets until December. Right, guys. There's a, there's a lot to consider there. Mick, it'll be interesting to see what you decide to do. How, how, do. Do you have thoughts of... You don't have to say what they are, but have you got a thought of which way you might go well, at this to, point? To, to round out, I'll, I'll tell you the other offer that's on the table, which I haven't mentioned yet. So we know... Trades with Nathan. We've spoken about it. It's hard to do. It's it's like bartering with a brick wall sometimes. How do I know but Nathan's name was going to come up? I've sent him a message. He's he's seen it. I don't know if he's planning to respond. He's probably going to sit on it for the entire time and tell me straight after the cutoff. Oh yeah, I would have said yes. I just didn't get a chance to. And did you send it via messenger or did you send it via the yeah. app? Via messenger. I wanted to see his uh his I guess thinking first. So just quickly send him a message and you can tell tell me whatever he's saying there, Isaac, because I know you'll get a hold of him. But so it, it's the guys we're referring to. So Ronaldo, Sterling, and Chilwell. So from my team. So my top two, my best fantasy asset that is scoring, my best fantasy asset that isn't scoring, 
and a theoretically great asset that isn't scoring or isn't worth anything in Sterling. What I've offered in or what I've asked for in return. So Jimenez for Ronaldo. So a downgrade in forward, but generally starting it's with Wayne there now, it's a bit harder. So I could be losing out quite a lot, but could be okay. Sterling for Smith Rowe. So a bit of an upgrade for me. Well, not a bit of an upgrade. Someone who's actually playing to someone who's not. Um, and in defense, obviously, it's going to be a downgrade, but not a massive one from Chilwell to Laporte. So that's a little bit of spreading Nathan's risk as well. So you just mentioned he's got Edison, he's got Cancelo. We know Cancelo is the better option out of those two in terms of attacking returns. And I would say he would be, other than Ruben Diaz, the nailed on defender, because he will go left back to right back, depending on if Walker's there. Um, and they don't really have a left back. Zinchenko has been fit for a while and still hasn't been playing. So that that's that's the trade that's sitting there. So Ronaldo, I would say, from my opinion, Ronaldo downgrading to Jimenez, which is almost an across, but it could be a downgrade. It could be a massive downgrade. Sterling to Smith Rowe, a little bit of an upgrade, but again, potential there for Nathan. Um, Chilwell for Laporte, a big downgrade for me, but with the clean sheet potentials for Min City, um, there is options there, just obviously no attacking returns. So I don't know what your opinion is there, whether your offers were better or whether you think that I'm asking for too much or too little. You're asking for too little. Um, I think that you would be aiming at, if you're going to give up Ronaldo and Chilwell in the one trade, I would be expecting either Cancelo or De Bruyne to be involved from from Nate's team. Um, he can't afford it, Gilby. He's plumb last on the table and he has to I make things happen. I totally disagree with you, Gilby. He's not yeah. asking for too little. He, right. he, he <laughs> has to force the issue if he wants to get off the arse end of the table, Gilby. And at some point, he has to get the worst of it if he wants to make something happen. Well, I guess we'll see in the next few weeks then who's right. I, I find that gonna... strange because it very much, I've got one person saying you are giving up way too much. And then I don't know whether you two are saying I'm giving up too little, whether Nathan's a massive or whether you think that's fair or whether you just, where, where are you guys sitting? You just disagree oh, no, with I've, Gilby? I'm not necessarily or... saying it's 50-50 or Nathan's getting far the better of it. Like I'm just saying that I don't think you need to necessarily put um, sorry, you need to ask for way more. You're not in a position to ask for way more. That's the point I'm trying to make. So the way I look at it is I'm giving up two players, one player that's two players that are definitely going to play, Chilwell and Ronaldo, definitely might be a tiny stretch, and Sterling, who never know with injuries, with form, there's a chance he comes in and then becomes a Sterling of old where he suddenly becomes a great player. All three people I'm giving up there have massive upside. It's just one isn't performing, one isn't getting a chance to perform, and one is. The three I'm getting in return are all perform- uh, sorry, uh, showing, we'll get two points, appearance points, um, pretty much guaranteed with a chance of rotation here or there, and occasionally might get something in return. The way my team's going, appearance points will actually do me good. I'm not doing much better than 22 points as it is. If I can get one player to score a goal or get a clean sheet, that is pretty much my average at the moment. Because 22 by uh, 2 by 11 is 22. Add an extra four points in for a goal or a clean sheet, 26. I'm not much above that in terms of my average. So 
I, I can see both sides. My only thing with this is I know Nathan, he will not accept the first offer. So he will ask for more. So I've asked for it and I'm expecting a straight no. He may counter, um, but I reckon the counter will be too far the other way. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think that's that would be my preference, that deal to go through. Um, but I'm, like I said, not holding my breath. So- I can definitely see what Gilby's saying and I agree with it or I would agree with it if you're in some sort of position where you could afford to negotiate, but you're not. Uh, I've been in that situation before. It sucks, but at some point you just got to bite the bullet and make a trade on potential where you're probably not getting 50-50 or the better of it. I, and, yeah, you go for it, Isaac. I was just going to say the reason, Gilby, I, I disagreed with you quite strongly is because right now Ronaldo doesn't have the value that you associate him with. He just doesn't. And I agree. And, you know... You, you might think associate that because of your ties to manual, whatever the case is, doesn't really matter. But he just doesn't have that value right now, and the fact that you're putting Sterling with that trade, yep, compounds it to the point where you have to ask for less. And I even think that, like, you're gonna get less than that trade, realistically. My my thinking is, Nathan probably not likely to keep Sterling. For Nathan, it's a chance to pick up whoever the next best midfielder is on the free agency. But if you if you look at the players that leaves Nathan, he's he still has Man City's keeper, which I don't know for sure, but he got he has to be close to the top keeper. Obviously, he doesn't get save points. Um, he'd he'd be thereabouts. I don't know exactly how what the numbers are, but he then has Matip, who did get rested this week. Um, Canate played, um, but Cancelo, Chilwell, and Regulon, all two really good defensive teams with attacking returns. Regulon, who potentially he's the best left back and he's playing. Um, Tottenham, you would expect to turn a corner at some point. That's three solid defenders for the top teams, or theoretical top teams, with Pinnock there as well. Brentford, who I'm pretty sure from what I saw, the expected goals conceded. Brentford is second behind Man City, um, not including penalties. So they've only, or maybe it was total shots or something like that, but defensively, they're a very, very strong team. So he's got Pinnock there as well. So defensively, he's upgrading. So he's still got a great defense. In his midfield, he would still have De Bruyne and Gallagher with a potential Sterling, bring in a next best midfielder, whoever that might be. Um, He picked up Ayosi Perez last week and Damari Gray, who's been great as well. So he could play a four at the back. He could have De Bruyne, Gray, and Gallagher still playing from his midfield and picking up a week-to-week proposition that has a good fixture. Um, And then as for forwards, he would have Ronaldo, Firmino, and Richarlison, three great forward options. Firmino's value is only going to go up, okay? Which might sound a bit strange, but in eight weeks' time, they lose Mane and Salah for for four to six games, Premier League games. Firmino will play, I can only assume, barring injury, every minute of those, which is why I went with Jimenez, because Firmino's value is going to be too high. So my look, I look at it as, does it help me? Yeah. 
does it help Nathan? Does he have the depth to cover a Sterling in that trade? I think so. Um, but I guess we can uh, wait to see what happens. <laughs> I um, So I've got some, some breaking news. I've managed to get a hold of Nathan. And I've been given permission to read out this particular uh, message train. So buckle in, gentlemen. Uh, so I started off by saying, what do you think of Mick's offer, Nathan? What offer? <laughs> Isaac, I think he sent you one on Messenger, talking about it on the podcast now. Nathan, lol, I thought it was a joke. Okay, I'll reread it. <laughs> he then go, he, he rereads it. He then goes on to say, he tried to trade out Sterling a few times, so that guy's of no value to him or me. Better chance is Ronaldo and Chilwell for maybe Jimenez and Laporte. Leave out the midfield. And I said, he won't go for that. That's just my opinion. I don't know if that's true, Mick, but you can talk about that. I, in a I've literally said this before. I want to strengthen my midfield. Yeah. yeah. Um, then he says, Mick is last for a reason, so he has to make it worth my while. <laughs> I'm spanking him up and down the game weeks. <laughs> and then I said, <laughs> you could offer Gallagher instead of Smith-Rowe, for example, like trying to, you know, get him to lower or, as you said. And he said, <laughs> then he replied, mission is on track. So his mission to beat you, Mick, as you're well aware. I, I did a thumbs up. And then I said, I said, you could trade out Sterling straight away. Power move. <laughs> And he said, nah, he can't have three of my players. He needs to stop sucking at draft nights. <laughs> I'm par- I'm partially drunk and still draft better. Um, I said, can I read this out in the pod? He said, if you wish, absolutely. <laughs> so that, that was my, our messages uh, around cool. this trade. Yep. So his response to me was, is this a genuine offer? That, that was it. No, yes, no, no. Uh, that that was the extent of it. So I'm assuming it's a no. We know he's listened to the body. He knows I'm trying to strengthen my midfield. The whole point of that trade and those that midfield and that forward is me downgrading those two positions to try and upgrade the midfield position. Um, and yeah, he's literally saying exactly what you just said to me then in terms of no, if there's no midfield, he would do it. But if Gilby thinks it's a bad move with the midfield, I can only assume what he thinks if there was no midfielder involved in that. <laughs> to give up Ronaldo and Chilwell for Jimenez and uh, Laporte, it's got to be a pretty good shot, right? Uh, yeah, well, I've said my piece. It's a terrible move. <laughs> I think for the definitely just for the two, yeah, that's not a good move. Yeah, and this is why I started and prefaced oh, this it, it, with... It's like probably keep... by hitting my head against a brick wall because it won't ever happen, but hey, it's worth a shot. Like you keep saying, like, you want to go with, like, that you improve with two or three points of round, which arguably might be useful if we're doing round-by-round round scoring and you needed to jump a place or two every week. But with our overall point scoring, all you need is Ronaldo to hit it big a couple of times and it's going to more than make up for three points around. Tell so me this, Gilby. He... Tell me this. What gives you any impression whatsoever that that is likely to happen? Like, and yes. He scored six he is, goals out of nine rounds. He's one of the greatest players of all time. But the way, man, you are playing, he's on pen rotation with Bruno. Like, he doesn't even get nailed on 
set pieces at we the still moment. had a even when we played terribly he still had a goal disallowed against liverpool so he is going to score far more points than jimenez um that's just that's just pure facts um if mick t- does this move he is going to regret it so you wrote sure. that down right i'm messaging nathan at the moment and he just said You've got to make it good for me after all. I don't need to trade, which is fair. He doesn't yeah. need to trade, but... That's what I was saying. I don't like, understand. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I made it the way I did make it. I thought I'm downgrading two positions to upgrade one. I'm trying to make his team better as well as mine better. But obviously, we're on our different pages here, but we really should write these down and then do a year-end podcast where we come <laughs> back and say, from round nine onwards, this was the trade. This is how it worked out. This person should have said yes, but... Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll start a little uh, thread of those trade offers. I, I guess what I'm interested, because I understand what you're trying to do, Mick. Like you want to strengthen your midfield. I guess the question I have, there's two questions. One's for Gilby. One's just in general. Can you strengthen your midfield just by dropping Sterling and bringing somebody else in from the waiver? Like, can you do that? If you have a look at the waiver, can you actually do that anyway? If, it depends what Mick's goal is. If Mick wants to get two or three points a week, which he seems like he's more keen to get, then yes, there's about four or five players I can tell him right now that he can do. But if he's in the position he's in, he needs to take a few more risks. And he needs, in my opinion, he needs to hold Ronaldo because as terrible as Manchester United have been the last few rounds, and as badly as they've been, he's still scored six goals and he's going to score far more goals over the course of the season than anyone else that's available that Nate is prepared to give you. Yeah, sure. So, so he, I, he can do that by just dropping Sterling and picking somebody else up. He keeps yeah, Ronaldo, if you, if you he just keeps Chilwell. If you just want three points around, there's half a dozen players right there that I could tell you right now. Okay, so the next question is, if you were to do a trade with Mick Gilby, because you want, you want Ronaldo, like a lot of us do, obviously... How are you making it work with Mix while with a trade from your end? Yeah, the, the only reason I'm not doing it right now, like I would love to accept it. The only reason I'm not doing it is that one of the strengths of my team is that I'm not too reliant on any one team doing well. Um, see, like the thing with some of the teams is if a certain team doesn't do well, they're not doing well at all. So the problem I have is that if I did go for an auto, I would have the three main attacking assets all from Manchester United. But what I am going to do is have a look at it because I think there might be a way I'd be prepared to do that. So I am going to probably offer Mick something, um, whether or not Mick will accept it, because in my opinion, he shouldn't. But I'll probably (laughs) give him an offer. And if he really wants to upgrade his midfield and go that path, then he can accept it. I mean, that, that's a great way to summarize. Mick, you're an idiot, but take this trade. Um, I think I've got your title for this, this podcast. And Please. it's a quote from Nathan, another message thread. He says, I said, I'm like, the reason I'm doing this is to upgrade my midfield. It's la la like we just said. He's like, valid, I get that. But I see Ronaldo as equal to Jimenez. And Chilwell is a similar value to Laporte. So I'd be stepping down with, oh, stepping across with both but stepping down with Sterling being rarely used in game weeks. And then I said, this is interesting because Gilby thinks I'm asking too little. His response and the title of this week's pod, 
Gilby is drunk, drunk on Ronaldo jizz. <laughs> so, and he then did he offers. Speak about not wanting egg on his face, but maybe it was some other protein <laughs> substance. That so then he, he said, getting on Gil- and around his facial orifices. And then he says, Gilby, you make the trade then. So that's Nathan's opinion. Nathan's out um, and says somebody else needs to make it. But I will say I'll be disappointed if Gilby's drunk, drunk on Ronaldo's, and I hope there's a couple of ellipses because that that is a title and a half, that one. He's, he's that is done a it. good podcast title. <laughs> he's done it. <laughs> that's clickbait if ever I've seen it. <laughs> Look, I... Uh, yeah, it, Subscriber it, it, numbers going to shoot through the roof. <laughs> People searching for Ronaldo and or Jizz. I'm not sure if that's what I thought this podcast would become. Um. <laughs> we apologise to those uh, 10 listeners per episode, eight of which are part of this league. The other two are Dave's mum once and then a second time. So yeah. sorry, Dave's mum. <laughs> sorry, Dave's mum. We apologise. Um, look, I, <laughs> I've, I've totally lost what I was going to say, but at the end of the day, everyone's goal is to get the best squad possible. I think some of the things that Gilby said are spot on. Some of the things that Mick is trying to do is spot on. Um, It's, it's really going to come down to how much risk do you take? So, you know, it, you've got some options there, Mick. I think it's just about how, how much risk do you take? So we might jump off this topic. I think we've, we've got our title now, so I, I feel comfortable that we can move on. Absolutely. Um, I can't yeah. wait till next week when nothing's changed and we do it again. <laughs> I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay, so let's look at next week. Uh, next week's game weeks. We start with Leicester versus Arsenal. We then jump over to Burnley versus Brentford. Uh, Liverpool v Brighton. Man City versus Palace. Newcastle versus Chelsea. Watford versus Southampton, Spurs versus Man United, and Norwich versus Leeds. Just looking at the fixtures, there's definitely a few that catch the eye where you think there's going to be lots of goals scored and a few clean sheets as well. So, Dave, um, just having run through those, uh, which game is yours? Which one are you thinking, right, there, there is a goal bonanza right here? Uh, goal bonanza, it'd have to be... Probably Liverpool Brighton, but the one that I'm interested in most is obviously uh, Watford Southampton to see whether or not we play absolutely terrible or we play absolutely fantastic because at the moment there doesn't seem to be any in between. Can I just say I missed a couple of games as well? I do apologise. Villa versus West Ham and Wolves versus Everton. So that's that's my mistake, but. They're the other two games in this particular round. Um, look, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Um, Burn. I'm gonna go with Burnley versus Brentford. I think that Brentford, like they've had two really good games where they haven't come away with points. This is a perfect opportunity for them to just play the way they play, and I think they're going to. Burnley have all sorts of defensive issues on set pieces and things like that. I think Brentford are a good shout for a good number of goals there. Uh, so that would be that I'm interested to see how Brentford react to those two, two losses, hard fought losses. I think that they're going to do some good things in that particular game. Um, Gilby, where are you for this game week? 
Um, if I'm looking straight points, uh, I think an interesting one is probably just going to be Villa West Ham because Villa have looked particularly brittle on West on their set pieces. And given West Ham's strength on it uh, with Antonio up front and Cresswell crossing and that sort of stuff, I'm going to say that's probably going to be a few goals for West Ham there, particularly any set pieces and corners. But the main one I'm interested in is going to be Spurs United because it's probably the most impotent attack in the Premier League versus the most flailing defense in the Premier League. So which one is going to be the worst this time? That's going to be the question this time. I'm not sure if we should start talking about impotence with uh, the, given the title of our, our podcast this week. Um, but I suppose th- this is where the magic happens, Mick. This is this is what everyone at this point is waiting for, apart from understanding where the title of the podcast came from. This week we're after mix, mischievous, magnificent, mega miracle, magic, marvelous, maligned, multi. Where are we at? Have you been able to come up with the magic? Is it three legs or four legs this week? And how many are actually going to be working? Well, to be honest, I had them ready. And in all this trade discussion, I closed all my apps and I've having to remake them now. So, But firstly, my game of the week, I think I'm going to look at Chelsea-Newcastle. Um, as a Havertz owner, I'm really interested to see what happens, whether he gets another start, whether one of the other two or both of the other two strikers come back, whether Newcastle can solidify having uh, Graham Jones, I think it is, the caretaker manager still. So that's my match of the week and the one I'm most interested in. Now... I was really struggling to pick a game for the multi or games for the multi, and I've kind of I've come up with two. Now, there's going to be a bit of a preface to one because we're doing this on a Tuesday night. There's midweek games in the League Cup. Um, a lot of information can change between now and then. But the first one I will go for is the Leicester game against Arsenal. I have a draw in that game. So it's the same game multi. It's only one game. Only Well, there's multiple legs, but there's only one game to worry about. Uh, uh, a draw in that game. Patson Dakar to be the first goal scorer. So Jamie Vardy came off at halftime in the last game. Um, injured his knee in warm-up. Was, and then Brendan Rodgers basically said, I wasn't happy with how he was moving, how he's playing. He apparently he touched the ball six times in the entire half. So they subbed him off. Dakar then got an assist. I think it was for James Madison's goal in the end. So... And I know in the Europa League, I think it might have been the week before last, he scored four. I think he might have scored some in the League Cup or FA Cup as well. Um, so there's a fair bit there that's happened. So I reckon Pats and Dakar to score the first goal, but I do have both teams to score. Uh, both teams to score, was it? Let me double check that. Sorry, a goal in both halves. Sorry. So uh, a draw in that game, but Pats and Dakar to score first and a goal in both halves. Now, the big question there is Ducker, I don't think has started a game yet. It's going to purely come down to whether Jamie Vardy's fit. So that, that was a bit of a hard one for me. Um, that one's paying a 35 to one. So a little bit under, but hey, if I get one right, we cut our losses down and it's not that big a deal. The one that we will go, I guess, as my main, main multi for the week is paying 39 to one. So it does cross the 38 barrier. I'm going for a few big blue chip fantasy assets to get on the point scoring board. I have got in the Tottenham Man United game, Tottenham to win. Harry Kane to score first. 
So to get a goal, which he's only got one of so far this Premier League season, but Cristiano Ronaldo to also score. So two big forwards, two big fantasy asset forwards, um, the two biggest you'd probably argue outside of Lukaku, and Vardy may be a close fourth. But Harry Kane to score first, Ronaldo to score at some point after that, but Tottenham still the win. So that one's 39 to 1. Um, they're, they're the two I'm going with. Like I said, I, I would like to go with the Leicester one more, but not enough information to really solidify that. I think after tomorrow morning's game or whenever Leicester plays midweek, um, be a bit more information. It might be easier to say, yep, yeah, Vardy's definitely ruled out, in which case I'd go for that. But hey, I've put them both out there now. They're on the internet. They're never to be forgotten. And hopefully no one can timestamp this to see just how wrong they were. And even if they do, we'll probably talk about it next week anyway, Mick. So Well, that's true. I mean, it doesn't help where every week you start with, and how did it go this week? <laughs> anyway, one day. I'll, ch- I'll change it up a little bit then. My, my apologies. Oh, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> um, and can we use a word that's less negative than maligned? I, I would like some positivity in this, I think. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank we'll you. We'll do something positive, Mick. Get a <laughs> win. That is true. I mean... The issue with my multi is I've picked my own players to do well. That That's my issue. I should just literally look at Gilby's team and then say maybe Antonio to score, Calvert-Lewin to score, despite the fact that he's missing a leg or something like that, and Aubameyang to score. So maybe that would come off. Won't be the only leg that's missing from your multi, I'm, I, I, I don't well, think. If you might notice, that's still only a three-leg multi. So, so is the limp bad enough if only one leg fails or is do you have to have two fail for the limp to be bad enough uh to be uh, I, I guess you only need one now. Hmm. I, I don't know this might be a, a twitter poll we can put out to our one follower <laughs> i like it look bef- i i think we've done a, a really good job boys lot lots has been talked about i i love the fact that we've got all this trade talk and and potentially none of it will actually happen by next week um uh, but lots to think about now just before we go I'm not sure if Gilby's fond of the name for the podcast today. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Gilby. I don't feel like you're you're vibing with today the name for this podcast. Am I right? Uh, I thought we were aiming for like an M rating, so potentially we might want to look at changing that. If we take your name out, does that make it the M rating, or is it is it something else in the name that we're missing? Oh, I think you'd have to ask Dave for that, given he's chortling like a little preschooler or a sort of fart joke. I mean, fart jokes are funny, whether you're a preschooler or not, Gilby. Come on. Well, well one day we'll tell the story of your favourite ever moment of deliberately farting on the head of an eight-year-old boy. Highlight of my life. The kid had it coming. Part of me is hoping Dave was also an eight-year-old boy, but I also know he wasn't. So, <laughs> absolutely this not something I wasn't expecting. <laughs> right. Well, once we finish the podcast, we'll talk about the name, gentlemen. So we'll see if it sticks or not. Either way, it's there in the episode for everyone to listen to. When I say everyone, I mean the eleven people. So, guys, thank you very much for uh, being with us again this week. It's always fun to chat. Um, Boys, hope everyone has a fantastic week and we will be here again next week to see how everyone went. Thanks very much, guys. Good luck, everybody. See you all. Bad luck to you all.